Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to ignite the growth of your agency. Get into their shoes, get to where they want to be and sell their house. They see the hot market, they go, well, we were going to wait till we're 70, we're now going to sell now. We've created a super special free Firewave gift just for our podcast listeners. You can get yours by going to www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift. Here are your hosts, Sam and Phil. So on the market letters versus not on the market letters. What's the difference between the two, Phil? First of all, the difference is the audience. That's the the most important thing. You've probably heard us talk about the three M's before or heard about the three M's, which is market, message and medium. And the most important of those three is the market. So who are you trying to talk to? Who are you going to send the letter to in this case? So the most important thing is the on the market letters go to the homes that are on the market and the not on the market homes uh, letters go to the homes that aren't currently on the market. And it's a really important distinction because the way you write the letter and what you're going to say and the message and potentially the medium is all going to change depending on the market. So for example, somebody has been on the market for say a year, two years, three years. And when we're recording this, it's a very buoyant market and that is unlikely to be the case. But there have been times when we first opened where we would approach a property that's been on the market for seven years. And that will come back, I'm sure, at some point. There will Mm -hmm. be some stale properties. The level of pain that that person feels is very high, isn't it? And also the other emotions like embarrassment and loss of status. The language is totally different. In what way? You can be a lot more emotional. You can be a lot more stern and stern not aggressive but assertive assertive yeah assertive you don't have to sell or convince as much they're already probably convinced and they're just they're looking for help so it's actually for example you couldn't send a letter to someone that's been on the market for seven years the same letter that someone's been on the market for four weeks the language is totally different so it does have to be specific the message that, that you send so in terms of the way that you write the letter mm-hmm what we've noticed that I think that agents make a big mistake of is they try to sell themselves in the letter. They don't try and sell change. Well, I think what the industry does is blanket sell. So I think the majority of agents probably don't determine, well, they go two ways. They either don't determine either someone's not on the market, on the market, been on the market for three years, five years, seven years, and therefore the message is the same and the message is probably fee-based. Or they go the other way and the message is very much four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks triggers. And But what, what you rely on there on is that at each point, people are feeling the same. And at each point, it's a time-based message. It's not, you lose the emotional side of the letter. And the problem I have with triggers is, or you think you're being clever by sending a message to the owner that you're aware that they've been on a certain length of time, you're aware of the situation and you're there to help. What you're actually not anticipating is that the chances are another local competitor also using that same company that also send the same letter in the same way, in the same type of envelope, just with a different heady paper on the same day. And therefore, you're trying to differentiate yourself by sending a letter on, say, day one, day 28, or whatever it may be. But really, that's the busiest day on their doorstep because everyone else <laughs> is sending a letter on that day. Mm. So we're trying to tell our clients to stay away from triggers whenever possible, especially when they decide to change the price. That is the time where their ego is at the... Most fragile. Most, really, yeah, yeah, they've just admitted that they've potentially made a mistake, that just admitted to all their friends and family and neighbours and area and town that their house wasn't worth as much as they were asking for it. And then all of a sudden you're going in there and saying, I've seen you've reduced 
maybe you made a mistake, why don't you come with us? And it's the worst possible time. After two, three, four weeks after they've, they've started to reduce and they still haven't got the result, that might be a good time, but still the message isn't, you've reduced, you've tried for four weeks, now come try here. You've got to be a, a lot cleverer than that. I think what we're probably different at on the market letters is encouraging people to consider that they need to change something about their circumstances in order to sell. We're not saying we are the answer. We're saying the change is the answer. So we might say something like, and obviously we write a new letter every single month for our Firewave members. So this is just taking one example. We might say, here's how to evaluate your marketing as it stands at the moment and see whether there are any gaps in your marketing and help you understand as the homeowner why your home isn't selling. We're not saying you're on with with the wrong agent. In fact, we never say that. The key with on the market letters is the agency. So our agency is, is irrelevant. The key is to show them a simple process that you have taken a different owner through, that that owner was in the same position as the person reading the letter, that you've taken the owner through a process. And that process is kind of irrelevant, but there has to be a process that the vendor you're writing to hasn't done. So you take them through a story of how you've helped someone else that's in their position get to where they want to be. And then the agent's irrelevant, really. Because all they want to buy is that is the end of the story, is the result. That's all they're interested in. So if you can get into their shoes and show them how you've helped someone in exactly the same position get to where they want to be and sell their house. And by doing that, you build rapport. You can't tell them they've made a mistake. You can't tell them they need to change the way they're doing it. You need to show them. And the only way to show them is through telling a story. Yeah, I think so. And I think this idea of getting them to understand there is a different way, you might have a proprietary process that you're sharing with them. And that's what you say is the importance with the process. But we're not saying if you come with us, all your troubles will disappear. We're saying follow the process. But because we have introduced the process, Mm. we seem like the answer without saying we are the answer. Yeah. And it's something that's really prominent in a book I'm in at the moment called Built to Sell by, who's it by? John Warrillow, built to sell by John Warrillow. Yeah, and the big thing in that is that you can't sell a business or it's more difficult to sell a business. And same with selling your services to potential vendors without having a system. So they talk about a five-step system. So a good way to sell your services as an estate agent or sell what you do is just create a simple five-step system. So that goes in the letter to say, look, we've got this five-step system. This is what it is. Step one, professional photography. Step two, we use professional copywriter. Step three, we'll put it all together in a brochure. Step four, we'll send the whole whole team around to have a look at your house to make sure that everyone knows it. Step five, we launch it to a a secret list. It doesn't really matter what's on those five steps, but Mm. just by having those five steps and by branding it the Ashdown Jones five steps to success or whatever it may be, just by having that, it shows and gives them another option. And so imagine that on the doorstep compared to a letter to say, we've noticed you've been on your market for 28 days. Now's the time for a change. We'll give you a half price fee. The difference is enormous. That's the way I go. Definitely on the market. I think you need yeah, a process. I think so too. And I think that just by having a process, you're differentiating yourself. You're bringing certainty into a very uncertain world that they have. It feels like because you've got a process, you've done this before, so you're an expert in it. And it also feels like all they have to do is follow the process. By the way, it's your process. And they will eventually come up with the right outcome. It'll feel like there's a formula to success rather than chucking it on a right move and hoping. Um, for the best, Which is yeah. what majority of people think that we do as agents. Is that not what we do? Yeah, we don't tell them that. 
Let's talk about not on the market letters then. So the language is very different. So the first one is very kind of do this and you'll get this outcome. But we can't say that if they're not on the market. And also we don't send out the not on the market letters to on the market properties because the language is very different, as you said. Very different. Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to go with not on the market. And it all depends really on what the market is is currently like. So over the last, we were calling this in August 21. And obviously it's been an amazing 12 months. So Every quarter, we write a new not on the market letter for our Firewave members. It's been very easy to talk about the opportunity and how the market is, how right now you can make 10, 20, 30, 40% more than actually your house is worth. And therefore, we had a clear market in our mind. We were talking to men. We were talking to their ego. We were talking to entrepreneurial characters that are used to taking risks and they're used to taking advantage of a market situation in order to get more financial security and more money. So just to contrast that, with say somebody yeah. who's living in maybe a three, four, five hundred thousand pound house who's been an accountant all the life, uh, who retired at the age of sixty, they're a lot less likely to want to take advantage of that market because it feels like a risk. It feels like an entrepreneurial leap, doesn't it? Because they decided they weren't going to move until they were seventy, and that's what they're going to do. Whereas an entrepreneur. They might have bought and sold many, many businesses over their lifetime and taken advantage of the hot market at that point and changed what they did for that. And therefore, they see the hot market, they go, well, we were going to wait till we we're 70, we're now going to sell now. Yeah. So there is actually a way of speaking to both, which we wouldn't usually advise. But the way I would speak to both is by having it clear in the headline that a market has done something in particular. So it's thrived or it's died or whatever it's done. And then to speak to the entrepreneurial characters, you need to use language like opportunity. But to speak to the accountants and the financial advisors and, and the very left-brained spreadsheet type of people, it's important that on the first page, and we've not done this yet, so we'll probably think about doing it for the next letter for our five clients that comes out next week. We'll talk about what well, we'll have on, a graph on there or a chart, something that shows data. And all that does is the left-brained people will go straight to the chart and data and and they'll work out the percentage increase, they'll work out how that affects their house price, and they'll work it out themselves. Whereas the entrepreneurial accounts probably won't go there. They'll probably just see an opportunity, read through the copy and, and respond that way. So there are ways on the first page and not on the market letter, you can encompass two different types of characters. It's funny as well, isn't it? How we get feedback on the letter that is completely different depending on the person who is giving us the feedback. So an entrepreneur will say, really good sales letter, because that's what they'll recognize it as. Really like the fact that you put your picture of you and your family at the mm-hmm. bottom of it. Whereas the somebody who's more cautious might go, well, I responded to you because there was a stamp on the envelope and because the quality of the paper was good. And they'll probably I think call it a flyer as well. They'll probably call it a flyer. Exactly right. So I think you've got to try and appeal to everybody but obviously that is not a good marketing tactic because you need to really nail the market you're after. But the way we do that is by targeting the types of homes that we want to send it to. So if you only send it to F, G and H council tax bandings, you're already filtering and therefore you can then speak to two markets within that market because you're already filtering with the £500,000 and above, for example. Yeah, interesting. What, what I thought of this morning is we've listed a hell of a lot of million pound plus houses over the last quarter all down to the not on market letter and they've stopped selling the interest has fallen off a cliff and we thought the market had fallen off a cliff and then we've put recently on a couple of homes that were more 400 500,000 and we're getting 10 viewings in 12 hours <laughs> I don't even know if you know this Sam. no I didn't know that so actually the market's just shifted to the lower end and it will come back the million it's just waves but the September the Q4 letter I'll probably target at more 
council tax bans DEF than FG and H. Because that's right now what's selling. That's where the easy money is. And because we've been so focused on FG and H, our average house price is probably about a million or even not, not, it might even be higher than that. So yeah, it is a challenge. But the interesting thing is there is we started with the H's and worked down, didn't we? Yes. So we started off with the one, two, three million pound homes and worked down. Yeah. And we had really good success there. And then you targeted the, the G's and then you went to the F's and then some E's. And actually they weren't responding as well to the letter because they're different kinds of people. Yeah. Over the last two, three, four weeks, they have responded quite well. But I think maybe the letter needs to be more cautious this next time so that you can appeal to the lower value yeah. properties. I mean, yeah. Because an entrepreneur, a very, very successful entrepreneur, doesn't live in a £500,000 house. They live in a £3 million house. No, it will be a different type of letter, definitely. Because actually the opportunity to sell a £1.5 million house for £2 million is probably gone for now. Or certainly we're not for seeing us. it. For us. For us. Not necessarily for other parts of the Yeah, yeah absolutely. For us. But the opportunity to sell a £450,000 house for half a million mm. is still is very much alive. Yeah. And, and that's what we're doing. So it will be a different type of letter. It will be slightly alien to us, actually. But there are some beautiful houses in and around Bowness for five, six hundred thousand that are super popular. And actually, at the moment, it's Kendall that is really popular. So for those of you who have no idea what we're just talking about, <laughs> Ashdown Jones are based in Windermere, which is close to the lake, Windermere Lake, in the beautiful South Lakes in Cumbria. And about 10 miles away, well, maybe eight miles away, it's a different world, which is Kendall. Uh, but we've had some really good success there recently. Hi, I'm Andrew Sanderson. My agency is AKS. Uh, Favourite part of being a Firewave member for me is the overall support. So it's far, far more than just the content. So when I joined, because I like the blogs, like the letters, but it's the overall community, the mastermind days, all the other stuff that goes into it that I think is probably even more valuable than the content itself. So it's worked out fantastically for me. In terms of the sort of results that we've got, we sent 100 letters out just before Christmas. That led to six properties coming on the market. We find that the letters go down because they're so, so different. About 10 miles away, well, maybe eight miles away, it's a different world, which is Kendall. Uh, but we've had some really good success there recently of selling some really nice houses at the top of the market there. And I think what we're saying is it's really important to be agile with your approach and to change your approach quickly. And if you're the owner of your agency, you can do that. You can react quickly. Don't keep doing what you were doing a year ago or two years ago because things change all the time and you have to be ready to react to it. And I think the important thing to know is how the message changes with the market. So you really need to put it all together. So a FG and H, and even that is probably slightly too big a market because the market's different, the message is different, and potentially the medium's different. Although we, for not on the market, we keep the medium the same. But for on the market, we would change up the medium. Mm. We've used cupcakes and various other things to give a message. But for D, E, and probably Fs, that we write to next time, the message will be totally different. The language will be different because that's how they're used to buying and they are used to buying in a different way. And it is stereotyping, but there is a reason why stereotypes exist. Well, also stereotypes exist for marketers. You can't <laughs> yeah. not stereotype, otherwise you'd be sending everything to everybody. And just going back to stereotypes, if you want to be a market maker and you don't want to only target unique homes... And maybe now is not the right time in your agency or in your market to target unique homes. You can maybe target a different kind of home. For example, I was thinking the other day, bungalows. Bungalows don't come to market. So if we wanted to, if we wanted to get to the bungalow market, now is the time to be a market maker in the bungalow market. Mm -hmm. And you would need to speak to those in a different way because bungalow owners, by definition, again, a stereotype, are not likely to make a quick decision. No. You know, they're going to make a slow decision. They want to have a, a long chat with you over a cup of tea. They're still going to take months to make a decision. And eventually you might get a, a sale out of them in months or even years time. But you have to speak to them in that language. Yeah. And it is so easy to make sure they consume all your content with people like their own bungalows, their own 
late frontage that own they're on a certain street. All you do is you make it clear within the headline that that letter they're about to read or the content they're about to consume is written for them. So if you send out a leaflet or a letter, whatever it may be, and it, the, the headline's a bit generic, then it's not really special to anyone in particular. But if you say, why bungalows on Midlands Drives are 25% higher in Q3, the bungalows on Midlands Drive are going to be extremely interested and are going to read it, whether they think about selling mm. or not. And obviously, the more touch points you get, the more people that can consume your content, the more likely they're going to contact you when they do sell, whether it's this year or in three years' time. So it may take a bit more time to tweak the letter or tweak the content you're writing, but being specific in the headlines, and it's something that we maybe need to try as well, but being specific in the headlines or talking to a niche market will definitely get you better results. It's worth spending the extra time doing rather than just sending out blanket approach marketing that actually talks to nobody. And then doesn't actually attract anybody and, and the people that do attract aren't attracted because of your message they're just attracted because it just happened to land at the right time you're hoping really now i don't fish at all i explain me that fishes but I, <laughs> I would imagine and he may correct me that you certain bait to attract certain fish is that right isaac he's nodding good and it's exactly the same with marketing you certain bait to attract certain people a certain markets and and it's like dating then really isn't it oh here we go <laughs> Why so, is it like dating? Because if you drive a certain car, you're going to attract a certain person, aren't you? I've got a blind date coming up. By the time this is out in the world, then... You'll uh, be married I'll again. Be, I'll be single forever. And, and I asked him, we were due to meet in the car park, and well, we are due to meet in the car park, and he asked... Sounds dodgy. I don't want to go in on my own because I'm too shy. And I asked him what kind of car he drove, and he so said... You're not staying in the car park. He said, I might do when I see him. He said he drove a red Fiat Panda. Now, straight away... I'm thinking, and you're still meeting him. A guy in the 50s that's got a little Fiat Panda is probably not for me. Now, it turns out that was a joke, which is Oof. even weirder, actually. Yeah. But so he's not going to catch me as his fish. To really? With his, <laughs> with his Fiat Panda no. bait, is he? No. What was really funny was I said to him, well, What car do you really drive? And he goes, A golf. And I went, If it had been a Bentley, it would have been a funny joke, but it's just a golf. And yeah. nothing against golfs, but it's not that far away from a panda. No. Not far enough. He's gone from a 17-year-old girl's car to a 19-year-old boy's car, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Apologies to all golf drivers out there. But then we had a whole conversation about how he doesn't like to drive any posh... He might be listening to this. Any posh or a car because of where he works. And So, yeah, the, bait thing, the bait thing is important, isn't it? Mm. Because you've got to have the right look. <laughs> going back to my date. You've got to have... The... I'm going to say equipment. I'm not going to say equipment. You've got to have the right <laughs> tools in your armoury. Tools is still bad enough. <laughs> And you've got to use the right words in the letter that make them feel that they're special and that you could be on the same wavelength. Because I said to him, look, you know, all joking aside, if we turned up even in a golf, in fairness, to a three million pound home, they're not going to want to do business with somebody who drives a golf. I'm sorry, they're just not. So four and a half years ago when we first opened, (laughs) Sam was earning multi, multi, multi six figures. And she was driving a Peugeot 302. Six, 206. 206. Yeah, because my daughter was learning was to drive. 207. Yeah, because I didn't want to buy two cars. She couldn't drive my Volvo, so I bought a little car for us both to drive and we shared it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a bit of a hanger. Charging people, what was it, £12,000? Well, up is that to, what it up was? To, up to £24,000 a year. Um, Turning up to these appointments in this crap car. <laughs> Phil was so embarrassed. I was. He used to say, people will think you're poor. And, well, whether you think it's right or wrong, 
people will think that you're not very successful turn up in a Peugeot 207. But if you then turn up in a Ferrari, that has the opposite effect. Well, it does to some people. But I also think if you turned up to coach a guy in this industry in Ferrari, I would imagine majority would be very impressed. But what if we turn up to sell a house? Yeah, that's well, the same. Well, that's why I'm trying to work out what car to get next. So we have regular conversations on driveways with vendors about the two cars that Phil and I drive. So mm. I drive, and there's no judgment here, really. We're, we're not judging ourselves, no, no. but vendors judge us. So I drive an F-Pace, which is is new, and Phil drives a very nice I think with, with the F-Pace, it's obviously a luxury car, but not flash. Yeah, it's understated luxury. Yeah, and, and the Volvo, we used to get the same conversation. So the guy that I went to see a couple of weeks ago that had two bright red Ferraris in his garage plus a Rolls-Royce, plus he drove around his day-to-day car was a Porsche Cayenne. Really, really nice one mm. with a personalized registration plate. White? No, it was black. Mm. It was black. And But we still had a conversation on his driveway where he was asking me how, what I thought of the Jag because if he was considering a day-to-day car, he probably would have considered the Jag as part of the yeah. consideration that he was, you know, his list. Yeah. He might have been thinking about maybe a Q7, Jag, I don't know, one of the BMWs, the big ones, the, X, the X5s, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a Land Rover. It was probably in the same categories, wasn't it? Yeah. If I'd been there in a VW, we wouldn't have had the same conversation. There's no conversation to have, is there? No. The guy at the house that you went to value over at Kerblonsdale, 1.5 million, he actually got in my car to look at the sat-nav on it so he could see because he's considering one. Mm. So it puts you on the same level as them. Yeah. The so, Tesla is a talking point everywhere I go. Yeah, I can see that. And it's important to the entrepreneurial people that we talk to. Yeah. So going back to the letter, it's the same thing, really. It's the message that we are a bit like you. We understand how you're feeling. Mm. We have helped sell houses like yours. You've got social proof. You've got affinity. You've got all the right messages. At no point should the letter or the look of the letter or the words in the letter jar with them at all. They shouldn't be tripping over anything. It should all feel like they were talking to a friend or reading something from a friend. Yeah. And that's the point of the letter, isn't it? It is. That is a point of letter. And it does frustrate and annoy slightly us when we see how crap the letters are in the industry, generally. And it's not necessarily the industry's fault because a lot of them invest in different companies to do their marketing. Yeah, but you look at any other industry, the car industry wouldn't get away with that. They'd be bankrupt by now. The charities the, the, the industry wouldn't get away really with that. The car company don't really send out mail, do they? Sales letters. Well, if they did, imagine getting one from Elon Musk. You're going to read the world's best marketing letter, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. And it's the same with charities. Charities invest in very, very high level direct mail. Charities letters. sales letters are very, exceptional. very good. If all you did was take a charity sales letter and rewrote it using industry language, you would actually get a much better result than anything you're using now, unless you're a flyway member. Well, if you don't believe us, get a charity letter. Put one in front of us there. The lifeboat one was very good, RNLI, last summer. Compare it to the letters you're sending out and see the difference. Notice the difference in language. Notice the difference in pictures, in captions, in headlines, in length, in in format, in everything. And yet the person writing that letter was probably paid, if not six figures, certainly five figures to write that letter. So Makes us look a bit cheap. Yeah. We are. At the time we recorded this, three fifty a month. For the amount of instructions we've got for our clients that's not on the market letter, it it pains me. What did Lucy say actually the other day? She got 96,000 in a month instructed fees. That was only from three listings, wasn't it? Three listings, yeah. (laughs) And she spent, what did she say she spent on stamps? And worth £350 a month. She spent £600 on stamps. And £350 on us. Mm. Pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Should we, we do should, a plug for Fireway right now? No, we should charge a percentage. That's what we should do. Yeah, but we could prove it, could we? No. People, people would try and worm out a bit, mm-hmm. wouldn't they? So what we're saying is either be a Firewave member if you're in an area where you can be a Firewave member because our most areas, areas are, are taken. Most areas are taken. So you need to find out whether you're in a gap or whether you'd like to be on the wait list. That's the first thing. Secondly, make sure that you're writing the right letters to the right people. That is of the utmost important. There's nothing more important actually than getting the market right because without the right market, it doesn't matter what you send them, it's going to be ignored. And the whole point is to get a response. Yeah, and that goes for all marketing, not just sales letters. All marketing. All marketing you do. Mm-hmm. Thirdly, make sure that you are writing well, that you're writing with skill. You're not just dashing something off and that you're not talking about yourself at all. You're talking about them and the market according to them. The market is a consequence for them, for their future. Keep it them focused and you'll have a chance of getting a response. And then finally, make sure that your letters look good. You've had them proofread and it's something that you can put your name on and be proud to send out. But that is really how we create our on the markets and not on the market letters. And if you've got any questions, of course, there'll be a link somewhere around this podcast where you can get in contact with us to ask us questions. And whatever you're doing, just make sure you do it at world-class level because that's what we do every month. We've created a super special free Firewave gift packed full of marketing goodies just for our podcast listeners. You can get yours by going to www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift and following the simple instructions that's www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift